Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today, we will share a graphite development company set for production. Joining us for a conversation is Dan Weir, the executive chairman of DNI Metals. Mr. Weir, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Maurice. Delighted to have you back on the show to provide us with a number of updates regarding DNI Metals, which is focused on becoming one of the world's leading graphite producers. Before we begin, Mr. Weir, please introduce DNI Metals and the opportunity the company presents to the market. So, Maurice, in late 2014, there was a number uh, of experts that we put together, um, engineers, process engineers, mining engineers, uh, geologists, that knew that uh, graphite was going to be a very important part of our life. And what I mean by that is, is that as we use more and more lithium-ion batteries, um, we would be using more graphite. There's about 30%. Uh, of a lithium ion battery is graphite. By comparison, it's only about 2% of a lithium ion battery that is lithium. So we knew that it was important. Our guys had built uh, four graphite processing plants in Canada, Australia, uh, and had operated graphite mines in, uh, sorry, in Canada and Sri Lanka. So we knew that we wanted to get into this industry. We knew that it was very important uh, knowing that China dominates the graphite production in the world, that we needed to go somewhere where there's low cost. We ended up traveling all throughout Brazil and in Madagascar, and we were able to find in 2015 a beautiful graphite project in Madagascar and the reason why we looked in Brazil and Madagascar is when you have a climate that is hot and gets a lot of rainfall, you have this weathering effect of the rock. It's called a laterite or a saprolite. And really, it's just a fancy word, meaning that it's a sandy clay material that you can just go in with an excavator, dig it up and process out the graphite. So we knew that we, in order to compete with China, we had to do this and Brazil and Madagascar are amazing areas to work, specifically Madagascar. Um, so we went there and in 2015, as I said, we bought a property there. We also hired a country manager who worked as a, contract to, uh, a contractor to us. He brought in a whole team uh, uh, to manage uh, what was going on in the country and in particular, managing and obtaining all the permits needed to put this into production. And let me ask you, by the way, where are you today? I'm back in Canada. Uh, I've been home for a few months. Like billions of other people in the world, I'm isolating myself here at home. And can you provide us with an update on the impact that the coronavirus is having in Madagascar? I know you're in Canada right now. Yeah, so I checked this morning, uh, officially in Madagascar, there's about 39 cases uh, uh, as of this morning. I can assure you I've been to hospitals in Madagascar before, and that number is probably a lot higher. Uh, they don't have the testing facilities. They don't have the tests. Um, so I, I think it will be much higher. But 
what they have done is they have locked down the country. What I mean by that is there are no flights in or out of Madagascar. Uh, there are no cruise ships allowed to dock in the country. No other boats except for container ships bringing goods and supplies in and out of the country. Everything else is locked down. The schools are shut down. Um, I think as of tomorrow, uh, that's Monday, or sorry, uh, today, uh, Monday, uh, what they're going to do is um, a curfew. Uh, you're allowed to be out of the house between 5 a.m. and noon. Uh, the rest of the time, you must stay at home uh, and, and not work outside of that. So remember that in Madagascar, 58% of the population does not have access to clean drinking water. You know, 75% of the population lives in poverty. That's less than $1.90 a day. Maurice, as a comparison, your Starbucks coffee this morning probably costs more than that, or now that you're stuck at home, uh, the coffee that you made, your instant coffee or whatever else, still probably costs you more than $1.90 a day. So the, the other interesting fact is that 75% of the population doesn't have electricity. So they've got to go out every single day and get food because they don't have refrigeration. Um, so they've got all these little markets that people go to and I've driven through many of those markets and there are thousands and thousands of people all next to each other, all shopping. So what they're going to try and do is contain that as much as possible, but I think you're going to find that it will spread pretty quickly in places like the capital city and some of the other cities. They even within Madagascar, they you're not allowed to leave the cities. They have the military set up that you can't leave the capital city. Nobody in or out of the major cities as well. So we're home here in Canada. Our management team and all our board are here in Canada isolating themselves and as of right now uh, nobody's showing any signs of the coronavirus. In our last interview we talked about the termination of personnel in Madagascar, environmental permits and cougar medals. Beginning with the former, shareholders were informed that DNI terminated its Madagascar team for falsifying government documents and misappropriated funds and were taking the previous country manager to court. Has a court hearing taken place and if yes, what was the verdict? Okay, on February the 19th, 2020, uh, a trial was held. On March the 5th, 2020, a judgment and sentencing was released. The formal reports or court documents, we don't have them yet. We were supposed to pick them up uh, a few days ago, but because of the coronavirus, uh, all the courts are locked down. So I'm not sure when exactly we'll get that. So I don't have all the details. What my lawyers, having talked to the uh, prosecutors and the judge uh, afterwards, have told us uh, that uh, our previous country manager, Mr. Stephen Gertz, was convicted of fraud. Uh, and, and what that means is, is that he had misappropriated funds uh, and he had falsified government documents in relation to the environmental permits. Um, the Mr. Gertz had also um, made all sorts of different claims to the courts uh, about me. Uh, one of the things that he went to the courts, uh, he went and said that I had illegally um, gone and uh, falsified or made a false declaration to the police. Uh, 
And I just want to clarify that, okay? So when I terminated Mr. Gertz on October the 15th, 2018, um, I terminated him and all of his team. At that time, we requested that he return all documents owned or pertaining to DNI and its businesses. We requested that multiple times. Mr. Gertz refused to give us those documents. So what we had to do, and I, under uh, uh, counsel, uh, uh, had they prepared documents where we went to the uh, to the police, and it wasn't me. I somebody else took in these documents. I signed them. Um, these French documents that uh, stated that uh, certain documents had been stolen from us. Uh, what came out in the trial, Mr. Gertz said, "Well, no, these documents haven't been stolen. I have all these documents. Here they are." Um, we requested, though I had requested all of those documents, because in order to file the tax returns, there are certain documents that we needed. Okay, Mr. Gertz would not return the uh, the documents that we needed to file the tax returns. So what we did is, uh, again, at the advice of counsel, we went and prepared a document. I signed the document. It was taken to the police and registered. It was then uh, we could go to the tax authorities and the tax authorities could provide us with copies of the proper documents in, so in order to file the tax returns. Mr. Gertz, during the trial, went to the police and, uh, and said, or sorry, went to the courts and said, uh, Mr. Weir's lying because I have all the documents. He's lying if he says that they were stolen. Anyways, it, 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 it's semantics. And we know that the courts will drop all the, uh, in appeal, will likely drop all the charges against me. Now, speaking of permits, sir, what are the latest developments regarding the environmental permits on the Voitsera and the Marafuti, respectively? So I'm, I'm happy to announce that we have gotten condition approval for all of the environmental permits. So when we terminated the previous team, they had not filed the documents with the uh, authorities. They had not paid the proper fees. They had not done the public consultations. Uh, out at the sites with all the different locals. And they also did not uh, do the technical reports properly and did not have the technical meeting at the sites. When I took over, I had to go through that whole process and that process is now completed. The ONE or the Environmental Agency has conditionally approved all of our permits. The last step is, is that we need the official title cards for our permits or for our projects. And that has to come from the Minister of Mines. Mr. Mines has to sign off. He signs a document, sends it over to the registration office, and they give us our title cards. DNI, and I want to repeat this, DNI owns two properties in Madagascar. Both of them are PE permits, meaning that they can go into production. And what the last thing we're waiting for is just the title cards. And it's for both of our projects. And it's the transfer transferring um, of the name from the old uh, owners over to us. 
under Malagasy law, the government, once you go to the registration office, has 45 days to do that. In practice, it has taken a lot longer um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one being uh, that our got our our previous management kept telling us that he's seen all the documents and seen the title cards and they're all done and all complete um and and that has caused some delays the new government came into power in january of 2019 so a little over a year ago and since then uh they have put a hold on issuing any documents any title cards any licenses so we're just waiting because they want to make some changes to the mining code. Um, they had talked like they were going to make some major changes. I believe that they have backed off on all of that. Um, by June of this year, and you can see it in the press release, we anticipate that they will come and give us their final uh, answers on what they want to do. I personally think uh, what they want to do is, or what will end up happening, uh, is that they will probably increase a little bit the royalties uh, that we pay. Currently in Madagascar, there is a 2% royalty on a project like ours, and the tax rate in Madagascar is 20%. We were always very happy with that. Um, just as a comparison, if you're a mining company in Canada, uh, your tax rate is probably somewhere around 24 to 26%. I think if you're in the United States, you would probably be over 30%. Don't quote me on that, but I think you'd be well over 30%. So they were fairly on par with what we have in North America. They want to increase the uh, royalty rate from 2% to 4%. Um, we've run that through some of our models and it really doesn't change much. I mean, obviously we don't want to see any increase in the royalties, um, but it's not really going to affect us in a material way um, on the project. And once we receive the environmental licenses, then this off to building the pilot production plant, is that correct? Yes, and as we've stated before, um, it is designed and engineered, so we are ready to go. Um, the, it's been great working with the environmental offices. They were absolutely amazing to work with. We just now need the mines minister sign off and we're in constant contact, just so you're aware, with the mines minister, with the registration offices. Um, I have people in Madagascar that keep in constant contact with them. I'm in constant contact with them um, and many other government uh, uh, people as well. So we keep pushing on them um, and we believe that it will come sooner than later. I know I've been promising that for years, but uh, we're, as I said, we're in the bottom of the ninth and it is all happening. Let's move on to Cougar Metals. Are there any developments regarding Cougar Metals that shareholders need to be made aware of? Since our last press release that we put out in December, there's nothing really new. Uh, Cougar is currently in default uh, of the agreement and there are no payments that DNI uh, is required to make at this time. So um, I do really don't want to say any, anything further about that. You can refer back to our last uh, press release. Switching gears, let's discuss trading. Provide us with some background on why trading halted on the CSE and what actions have been taken to resolve this matter and when can we expect to see trading resume? 
Maurice, it's all been all about money. Um, in order to run a public company, it's very expensive. Uh, it, you know, it can be somewhere between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars a year by the time you pay audit fees and legal fees and pay the monthly uh, fees that you have to pay to the exchanges. So, you know, we completed the uh, financial statements as of, or the audited financial statements as of December 31st, 2018. Uh, the auditors did all their work. Uh, the auditors and the uh, audit committee and the board of directors have signed off on them, but the auditors won't sign them yet until we pay them. Uh, so we have their fees outstanding. We have, uh, and to, to release those audited financials, um, we've had all the other financials, the, the three other quarters throughout the year, and now we're into the uh, next year uh, to complete the audit financials. Um, we have been working and keeping track of everything, but it's all about having the money to be able to do that. There's been many shareholders who have said, hey, get the permits and we'll, we will give you money. We've also been working with the regulators to get a partial revocation order. What that means is, is that we would be allowed to go out and raise some money here in order to finish off our financial statements and get the stock up and trading. So the, the short answer is Maurice, I need money in order to get the stock up and trading. I've had many people say to me that they would give us money uh, if we had the permits. So I'm in a catch 22 situation right now. Understood. Dan, besides the aforementioned, what are some questions that you're receiving from shareholders and what is your message to shareholders? We know shareholders want to see the stock up and trading and we know that shareholders want to see uh, that the board, myself and the board, have maximized shareholder value. Uh, we continue to work on that. We continue to look at all sorts of different options. Um, um, right now, uh, with the coronavirus, with very low oil prices, uh, the demand, you know, what are going to be the demand for electric cars? I still think the future is strong for electric cars and computers and cell phones, but right now it's going to be a little bit up in the air. The one thing that I'm seeing out here is that a lot of the different graphite mines in China have shut down. Uh, the largest graphite mine in the world, which is in Mozambique, is also shut down uh, right now because of the coronavirus. So I think that demand will come back as we get out the other side of this. Um, I, don't, I can't tell you what oil prices are going to do out here. Um, I do know that the future is still very strong for the need for more and more lithium ion batteries, whether it's for electric cars our cell phones, computers. I know that will be strong, but I, I can assure you that right now um, it's going to be some tough times uh, out here in the markets over the next while. Mr. Weir, for someone listening that wants to get more information on DNI Metals, please share the contact details. Sure, you can get a hold of me at danweir at dnimetals.com. That's danweir at dnimetals.com, or you can call me on my cell phone. 416-720-0754. That's 416-720-0754. And as a reminder, DNI Metals is listed on the CSE symbol DNI and on the OTC symbol DMNKF. 
DNI Metals is a sponsor of Proven Improbable, and we are proud shareholders of DNI Metals for the virtues conveyed in today's message. Before you make your next bullion purchase, make sure you call me. I'm a licensed representative for Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, where we provide a number of options to expand your precious metals portfolio from physical delivery, offshore depositories, precious metal IRAs, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Call me directly at 855-505-1900. That's 855-505-1900. Or you may email contact at provenandprobable.com. Finally, we invite you to subscribe to provenandprobable.com, where we provide mining insights and bullion sales. Dan Weir of DNI Metals. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor. 